Ki Titse, Parsha number 49. We are almost there again. I'd like to talk a little bit on the subject this morning of temptation. The high holy days, of course, are coming up on us very quick, so we're continuing in our preparation for that, our readiness, and things like character refinement, of course. And so, of course, there's a range of topics you could talk about, but um, as I got into this week's Torah portion and reviewed some notes from Rav Mike of Blessed Memory and other things, this was something that I just thought might be helpful, not only to some of you, but to me as well. This week's Torah portion begins and ends with a subject of war and the enemy. Um, the Maftir, which is the conclusion, the last part of the Torah portion, which is what, where Miggy was reading out of, was, uh, let's go take a look at that first. That's uh, on page 225, I believe, we'll be reading from Devarim chapter 25, verse 17. Uh, Miggy just read this, but there are some people listening online who have not heard the readings, and so I'm going to just read through these few verses real quick here, just the end of this week's Torah portion. Um, <clears throat> Devarim 25:17 begins like this, remember what Amalek did to you on the road as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you by the road, attacked those in the rear, those who were exhausted and struggling behind when you were tired and weary. He did not fear God. Therefore, when Adonai your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies and the land Adonai your God has given you as your inheritance to possess, you are to blot out all memory of Adalak from under, Amalek from under heaven. Don't forget. Well, the children of Israel have not entered the land and with rest from all their enemies, so they still need to be remembering Amalek. Amalek is, Rav Mike used to talk about the spirit of Amalek all the time, because Amalek's not simply just a group of people that were attacking them. Remember here in, uh, um, in verse 18, it says about Amalek, he did not fear God. This means he may have known God, Maybe very well, he just did not fear God. The spirit of Amalek is something, of course, that has fueled the flames of anti-Semitism since these biblical times. And, of course, it's a form of spiritual warfare. Israel is the prime target. But all of mankind is also affected and in danger of Amalek, of course. The deceiver does not want Adonai's promises to Israel to be fulfilled, right, to be a blessing to all nations. And so this has inspired much harm and destruction to Israel and the Jewish people for thousands of years. The harm is both physical and spiritual. There is a large spiritual aspect to Amalek and the spirit of Amalek. The Lubavitcher rabbi comments on this about Amalek. He says the precise identity of Amalek has become confused due to intermixing of all the different nations. So it's impossible to eradicate Amalek nowadays since it cannot be determined which people are actually descendants of the original Amalek. But the specific threat of Am uh, Amalekite ideology is considered to be far more dangerous than a physical attack because that spirit of Amalek, the Amalekite ideology, these are spiritual dangers that have been a threat to God's people for a long time. That's the deception, it's the deceiver. The deceiver attacks the world in subtle ways many times. 
It works slowly, eroding away morality a little at a time. The state of morality that the world's in didn't just happen overnight. The decline has gained steam over time. Each generation, it seems, has people that fall victim to Amalek and his ways and the deceiver's ideology. And if we become spiritually complacent, which sometimes in the dog days of summer is easy to do, we may open ourselves up to the deceiver's subtle suggestions. Um, it can affect us in subtle ways. We pray a little less. We feel ambivalent about mediocre sins. Or maybe we fall prey to temptation just a little bit more. We need to remember Amalek because that's behind a lot of that spirit, that ideology, that deceiver, it's all interwoven and overlapping um, spiritual attacks on us. So back to the beginning. Let's go to the beginning of this week's Torah portion, back a couple pages, speaking about temptation. The beginning of this week's Torah portion also begins with war. Devarim chapter 21, um, verse 10. This week's Torah portion, Kitetse, starts out like this. When you go out to war against your enemies and Adonai your God hands them over to you and you take prisoners and you see among the prisoners a woman who looks good to you and you feel attracted to her and want her as your wife, you are to bring her home to your house where she will shave her head, cut her fingernails and remove her prison clothing. She will stay with you there in your house mourning her father and mother for a full month after which you may go in and have sexual relations with her and be your husband, and she will be your wife. In the event that you lose interest in her, you are to let her go wherever she wishes, but you may not sell her for money or treat her like a slave because you humiliated her. Strange instructions here. Of course, we know that war is ugly. And when people, when nations go to war, the victors get the spoils, of course. Um, the Israelites, however, are expected to display a higher moral uh, bar. They need to have better conduct than the surrounding nations around them that show no restraint. So obviously, there's temptation here. The soldier's bound to come into contact with a woman he feels attracted to. Uh, the Torah doesn't forbid him to take her, but the Torah restrains him and provides dignity for her. The woman looks good to him. He's attracted to her. Of course, this isn't the normal dating format. This probably isn't the foundation for a healthy family. The compatibility factor here is a roll of the dice at best. But the soldier's tempted, and temptation is something we often talk about. We talk a lot about trying to avoid temptation. Yeshua addresses this sort of temptation by telling us that one who even looks upon a woman with desire has already committed adultery in his heart. It's a warning that we should be careful what we look at. The sages have a parallel teachings, many of them. <clears throat> one I thought interesting was from, um, from the Talmud, uh, Barakot 61a. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says, um, not to walk behind a woman because he will stare at her. He needs to speed up his walk and get in front of her. Or if there are two paths, take the other path around so you don't fall into temptation. You guys here know what I'm talking about. You fellows, it's just something that's sort of ingrained in us. 
happens automatically, and uh, it's very easy for that to happen to us. Temptation. It seems that that sort of just carnal, um, sensual temptation, something that's so easy for a man and happens instantly, just doesn't see. I think it works different with a woman. Um, I'm not sure there was, through my adolescence and my teenage years, I spent years trying to figure out how to get a woman to be tempted by me, and I really couldn't. <laughs> Very complicated situation. There's situations, there's mood, it's humidity and phases of the moon, lots of different factors, and tempting a woman, I never really did get it figured out, but there's testimony, women testify that there's temptation there, so we all have temptation. But here, the soldier, it's a little different. He can't avoid the situation. It appears, and this is weird, but this appears to be the only situation in the Torah where the Torah actually acknowledges that the negative inc inclination is so powerful that the Torah actually gives a permitted way to fulfill its desire. That's the only way we can really read this. That's very odd. Even with this permission, of course, he still has a bit of a cooling off period. She has to shave her head and cut her nail. She has a whole month where it's hands off and she gets to mourn. This gives her some space, time to uh, grieve and collect herself. And at the end of the month, she is guaranteed, guaranteed the dignity of marriage also. So there's some guarantees in this for her preserves her dignity. This is something that the surrounding nations would never do for the spoils of war for them, but again, Adonai expects his people to have a higher moral bar. It's during this month-long period, <clears throat> month-long period that the soldier, of course, has to harness his desires and his temptations, and hopefully during this time he gets some good counsel from family and friends before he takes her as a wife. Um, hopefully with some prayer, and that's the situation he's in. The soldier, of course, fights physical wars, but he has his own spiritual battles, too, as we all do. <clears throat> Temptations are inevitable. We will always have to deal with them, of course. Um, I think um, one does well remembering um, James chapter 1 has some uh, great um, stuff on dealing with temptation. Let's go to James chapter 1 really quick. It's on page 1510 in the complete Jewish Bible, or if you have a different version of Scripture, we'll be in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 1, begins like this. From Yaakov, a slave or a servant of God and of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, to the twelve tribes in the Diaspora, shalom, peace. <clears throat> Regard it as joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations for you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. Joy, that's kind of hard to wrap my head around this verse right here. To have uh, considerate joy to be tempted, but if the result of that is perseverance, then there is joy in that. The point is, you have to persevere for there to be joy. <clears throat> but let the perseverance do its complete work so that you may be complete and whole lacking in nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, 
who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Amen. But let him ask and trust, doubting nothing, for the doubter is like a wave in the sea, being tossed and driven by the wind. <clears throat> Indeed, that person should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the brother in humble circumstances boast about his high position, but let the rich brother boast about his being humbled, since like a wildflower he will pass away. For just as the sun rises with the shirav and dries up the plant, so that its flower falls off and its beauty is destroyed, so too the rich person going about his business will wither away. But how blessed is the man who perseveres through temptation. For he has passed the test, he will receive as his crown the life which God has promised to those who love him. No one being tempted should say, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and God himself tempts no one. Rather, each person is being tempted whenever he is being dragged off and enticed by the bait of his own desire. The bait of his own desire. Sure, the deceiver is out there influencing us and waging spiritual battles in the world to drive moral decay and um, do whatever he can to disrupt us and our spiritual life and our journey. But many spiritual battles just come from within our own selves. The temptation many times doesn't come from the deceiver, it comes from within the own person. Many of us are engaged in battles all the time of choosing right and wrong. That's the old fight between the good inclination and the evil inclination, the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Hatov. Sometimes we don't have the devil to blame. Sometimes it's that person standing in the mirror that needs to ask themselves, not only uh, am I the source of this temptation, but am I properly resisting it? So how do we best prepare ourselves to resist temptation? <clears throat> we'll just continue reading here a little bit. Um, verse 15, then having conceived, the desire gives birth to sin, and where sin is fully grown... It gives birth to death. Don't delude yourselves, my dear brothers. <clears throat> every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father who made the heavenly lights. With him there is neither variation nor darkness caused by turning. Having made his decision, he gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon in order that we should be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Therefore, my dear brothers, let every person be quick to listen, but slow to speak, slow to get angry. For a person's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. So rid yourselves of all vulgarity and obvious evil, and receive meekly the word implanted in you that can save your lives. Don't deceive yourselves by only hearing what the word says, but do it, for for whoever hears the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, who looks at himself and goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. 
But if a person looks closely, looks closely into the perfect Torah, which gives freedom, and continues becoming not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work it requires, then he will be blessed in what he does. <clears throat> you see, Adonai allows various testing and trials and temptations, and sometimes the trials and temptations come from within our own selves, but these are for perseverance, for perseverance of the faith, and there are blessings for those that pass that test. I know it doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes the testing and perseverance or the testing um, it can be long-suffering sometimes because sometimes the testing is short. But some people go through seasons of testing. But there's blessing that comes along with perseverance. It may not be easy, but it is there. So we need to stay closely <clears throat> stay closely looking into the perfect Torah. The sages teach that Torah study can help diffuse temptation when temptation arises in your life. This is how Yeshua diffused temptation. When he was first tempted, turned these stones into bread, what did he say? He said, a man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Again, he was tested when uh, the deceiver brought him up to the temple to throw yourself off, have the angels rescue you. You know, do a miraculous miracle in front of the people. Again, he said, uh, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And then the deceiver uh, brought him up to a high place, a high mountain, offered him the world if he had bowed down before him. Again, Yeshua says, <clears throat> have no other gods before me. You know, you're supposed to worship the Lord alone. Yeshua is using Torah um, to resist temptation. Every response was a response from Torah. So as disciples of Yeshua, would we not follow his example? Yes, we should be ready and prepared to follow his example in everything that he did, as best we can, of course. Yeshua's teachings are divine Torah teachings, so the better we know Torah, the richer our blessing, of course, would become. I'll close this morning with a little encouragement. <clears throat> This is the uh, little encouragement about the perfect Torah that James is speaking of here. Let's turn to Psalm 19, page 806 in the Complete Jewish Bible, or Psalm 19, if you have a different version. <clears throat> psalm 19, for the leader, this is a psalm of David. Psalm 19 says, <clears throat> the heavens declare the glory of God. The dome of the sky speaks the work of his hands. Every day it utters speech. Every night it reveals knowledge. Without speech, without a word, without their voices being heard, their line goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he places a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from the bridal chamber with delight like an athlete to run his race. It rises at one side of the sky, circles around to the other side, and nothing escapes its heat. The Torah of Adonai is perfect, restoring the inner person. The instruction of Adonai is sure, making wise the thoughtless. The precepts of Adonai are right, rejoicing the heart. The mitzvah of Adonai is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
The fear of Adonai is clean, enduring forever. The rulings of Adonai are true. They are righteous altogether, more desirable than gold, than much fine gold. Also sweeter than honey or, or drippings from the honeycomb. Through them, your servant is warned. In obeying them, there is great reward. Who can discern unintentional sins? Cleanse me from hidden faults. Also keep your servant from presumptuous sins so that they won't control me. Then I will be blameless and free of great offense. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be acceptable in your presence, Adonai, my rock and my redeemer. Shabbat shalom.